Wednesday morning, we had our first Surfing in Spirituality session of the year. Woo! A couple of you folks were out there. It was good. The morning started surprisingly cold. <laughs> there were a lot of shivers as we were putting on our wetsuits. Some reluctance to get out there. But eventually we got suited up, went down to the ocean, and it was gorgeous. The water was clear and calm. There was no wind. It was a perfect sunny day with gentle waves that were friendly enough for people new to the sport, but fun enough for the more experienced folks. There were pelicans overhead. There were lobster shells on the sh shore. There were dolphins in the water. And there was a school of small, thin, silvery fish darting just below our feet. Some folks caught their first waves and stood up. Others were cheering them on. And with the sunlight hitting the water and the sunlight hitting our faces, with all that good company and cheer, it felt like heaven. Like God's kingdom come. Love, beauty, fun in nature. St. Francis would have been proud. Today, we celebrate St. Francis of Assisi, that multifaceted character perhaps best known for his celebration of the divine in nature. These days, he is often depicted like a garden gnome with, <laughs> with birds on his shoulder. But Francis was much more than a Dr. Doolittle. Born in central Italy in 1181 into a life of privilege. As a young man, he sought spiritual enlightenment, which led him to abandon his family's legacy. It also led him to nurse lepers and live with the destitute. He went from becoming a street preacher to founding a new multiple religious orders. He traveled to Egypt to meet with the Sultan and try to stop the Fifth Crusade. He was the first to develop the nativity scene, like that. And legend has it that during a vision while on a 40-day fast on Mount Verna, Francis received the stigmata, the markings of Jesus' wounds on the cross. He died not long after that, in 1226, he was just 45 years old. Francis did a lot in his short life. Today we celebrate Francis as a mystic who saw the unity of all creation and sought to live into that connection by imitating the life and teachings of Jesus. Fancy that. Francis did not invent the notion that faith is tied to nature. 
In his book, The Spell of the Sensuous, David Abrams reminds us that for thousands of generations, human beings viewed themselves as part of the wider community of nature and carried on active relationships with animals, plants, mountains, rivers, winds, weather patterns, all of it. And Jesus was also all about God and nature. In the Gospels, we see him finding solace in the mountains, beside trees and lakes. Today, Jesus describes faith in the language of nature. He reminds us that faith is inseparable from nature. Loving God and neighbor means living into our connection with the planet. The disciples come to Jesus and ask him, to increase their faith. Jesus reminds them that any amount of faith is enough. God is always enough. But look how he expresses that with the examples from nature. The mustard seed. It is enough. It is tiny the smallest of seeds as we read elsewhere, but it is more than enough. I'd like to pause and point out that there are multiple mustard seed metaphors in in the Gospels. There's a separate one that's from a Markin trend, which is look at the mustard seed, see it is the smallest of seeds and it grows into something that the birds can perch on. Remember that one? Cool. That's a Markin tradition. This one is more from the Q source, and especially here tied with this tree metaphor, it's a little something different than we see anywhere else. Um, but again, this part comes from the Q source, which is the phrases, the sayings of Jesus that are common in both Matthew and Luke. Matthew puts this differently. He says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can command a mountain to be tossed into the sea. Cool. We kind of remember that. Luke seems to blend these statements. First, there's the tree, which, which is actually a sycamore. NRSV translates it mulberry. Take it what you will. Sycamore seems like a better move here. Sycamores, like these giant trees that are right outside our door. Right? They are not small. The point is not that you can make a tree grow somewhere it doesn't belong. The point is that any faith is sufficient to exceed expectation. If you have any faith at all, you can do something that seems impossible. Like Francis, like Jesus, like Oscar Romero, MLK, Mother Teresa. These folks did work that seemed impossible they did it simply. They saw something that did not line up with the way it should be, and they made a difference. They had a vision for the kingdom of God, and they made it happen. They went to work. Which brings us to this second part of the gospel passage. This passage might not be the most inspirational passage in the Bible. 
it might have some baggage for us here. But it is practical. I think it needs to be told in modern language. So let me try it this way. You wouldn't walk into work in the morning and expect a banner and confetti just because you walked in the door, right? You don't send a work email and expect to get a plaque commemorating the event. It's your job. You do the basic things required for the job and you don't expect accolades or rewards for those basic things. Such is the kingdom of God. There is a lot of work to do. If you expect to be celebrated for doing that work, you will slow the train down. And there's a trick. The work itself is the reward. Loving the people around you, being in the hospital with someone who is sick, like our dear Joan, who is back home, seeking justice and equality, or surfing with good friends on a beautiful Wednesday morning, that work is the reward. Last night, uh, Amos woke up at 3 a.m., and... uh, and as Mary Beth is out of town, it fell upon me to go to go visit him. Um, I went into the kitchen, warmed up a bottle, went upstairs, kind of trudging my way up there. And I got there, and I picked him up, and and I set him down in my arms on the little rocker, and I gave him the milk, and he took his little hand and wrapped it around my ring finger. So sweet. He, you know, he's, he, we only have about a month more of this. He's, he's ten and a half months. Weaning is coming soon. But those, so those moments are few. It was a precious moment. A love-filled moment. The work is the reward. God's work is good work. And it is never done. We saw this in the passage from the Old Testament from Habakkuk. That's how they tell me we're supposed to pronounce it. Habakkuk. Habakkuk is all about recognizing the the injustice, waking up to it. I will stand at my watch post and I will keep watch God's work is never done. Like evolution, like love eternal is always changing. Always striving to develop and respond to the times. For Francis, that meant being with lepers and stopping the crusades. In my childhood in the 80s, that meant being with AIDS patients and stopping nuclear war. Today, there is plenty of work ahead of us. We need to seek equality for transgender children who, see, who account for one in every 137 children ages 13 to 17. We need to provide books for college students, as we are trying to do here at St. Mike's with our matching grant this month. Books for which college students, 43% of them are skipping meals to afford 
those books. The price of books has gone up 1,000% in the last 40 years. Crazy. And then, and then, there is climate change. Arguably the biggest problem that human beings have ever faced. It affects every living thing on the planet. I know, I know some of you are working hard on these issues, and I love it. You inspire me. There is plenty for all of us to do. But we know about the mustard seed. We know that we have enough to do God's work. We have everything we need to love God and neighbor eternally. Amen.